Good morning. For those that hadn't heard, uh, I was at a conference this week in Charlotte, North Carolina. Our scripture text, by the way, will be in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. I'll give you a minute to find 2 Chronicles. It's in the Old Testament. <laughs> One of the speakers made an amazing point that is so simple yet profound. When Jesus went across the lake, he was down in the stern of the boat asleep. You remember that story? And we're told that the winds and the waves, they beat against the ship. And the disciples were freaking out, right? Do you remember that story? And the speaker said something so simple and profound. He said, Jesus was asleep because he was on the boat. And I thought, that's odd. But then I got to thinking, the reason he was asleep is because he needed a nap and he was on a boat. And there wasn't any amount of waves or winds that were going to hurt him, that were going to take his life. And the disciples, they were confused, right? That how could you be asleep? It's because he was on the boat. And there was no fear in him because the winds and the waves were told in that song, knew his name. Amen? We need time in our lives to be alone and to pray. And this whole sermon series is about how can you connect with God. Airplane mode, turn your phones off, set them to the side, and just dive into his word and dive into prayer and be connected with the God who loves you. I want to tell you about Johnny. Johnny was a painter, but he wasn't a very good painter because he cut corners. He cut corners so he could make a profit. There was a church in town that wanted to hire Johnny to paint their wooden building. Y'all know why, right? Because he was cheap. Come on. Johnny submitted the lowest bid and he was hired, and as always, he thinned that paint with water so he could stretch it and make a profit. He was up on scaffolding one day, and the job was almost finished. And all of a sudden, he heard this loud thunder. And out of nowhere, it just began to rain cats and dogs. The rain washed that thin paint right off of the church. The intense wind, it blew the scaffolding down, and Johnny fell on his back, surrounded by puddles of this thin paint. And so Johnny heard this as a warning from God, and he got on his knees and cried, Oh God, please forgive me. How should I, what should I do? And God's voice thundered, Repaint and thin no more. Come on. Repaint and thin no more. 
Come on, Eli, it's a good one. That's a good dad joke right there. Today we're going to talk about repentance and what better place to look than this beautiful words of God that begin with. Verse 13. This is God speaking. He says, when I shut up the heavens so there is no rain, or if I command locusts to devour the land, or if I send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven will forgive their sins, will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open, my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Let's pray together. Father God, we come humbly asking that your word will speak to each and every one of us, that through the power of your spirit, you will guide and lead this discussion as we just seek to turn our faces to you, to turn our minds, to turn our hearts back. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just going to make it super simple for you all to follow what I have to say this morning with three simple questions. Now, I was only here Monday and Tuesday, and so I, I haven't looked at the bulletin yet. I'm, I hope there's three questions in there, right? Liza's a great, great secretary. You all know that? The three questions are, who are the chosen people in this passage? How does God get their attention and then we're going to ask the question, what is repentance? And I think that this might help us understand this topic of repentance prayer. You follow me? You ready to go? Let's do it. Who are the chosen people? There are some major topics in the Old Testament. And we are actually landing right here in Second Chronicles on one of the most major events in all of the Old Testament. The temple in Jerusalem was a cornerstone to understanding the presence of God and his covenant relationship. The temple of God in Jerusalem was a cornerstone for us to look back and understand how Israel worshipped God. How Israel understood a covenant promise with his people. You see, the temple began, became a permanent place to experience the presence of God. It became the primary place of worship for all of God's people. They would travel from every part of Israel just so that they can worship right there in Jerusalem in the temple. And today's passage puts us 
right at the moment of history where the Israelites are dedicating this newly built temple to God. Before this passage today, there is no temple. After this passage, there is a temple where they can worship and celebrate God. These words that we read this morning are words directly spoken to Solomon, King Solomon, after he had completed building the temple and after the Israelites have dedicated it to God. And so when we read, if my people who are called by my name, we are reading about those people who fall under the covenant of Abraham, Moses, and the covenant of David. Which means when he says, if my people... He's talking about a covenant relationship, which is why the covenant, the new covenant, made through the power of Jesus Christ, puts us right here in this conversation this morning. The chosen people are the people who are under the promise of God. This passage, in my opinion, has wrongly been used to call other nations towards repentance, specifically and more recently the United States. Let me be clear. The United States is not God's chosen people. Now, I pray and I vote for godly leaders I pray and I vote for godly laws. But the United States is not Israel, and it does not fall under the promise or covenant of God. Who does? The church. The church. You've read it in Revelation, have you not, that the golden lampstand represents the church. It's you and me, you and me, who fall under the covenant of the relationship of Jesus Christ. We are the church, and we are who God is speaking to. We are the chosen people of God, and God is speaking to the church. I want to point to two passages specifically to help us understand and put our minds in the, in, in the same uh, frame of reference, the, 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 the lens by which uh, the people of God of Israel would have been seen. Uh, first in John chapter 2, if you remember the story of John chapter 2, it's the only of the four gospels where the, the cleansing of the temple uh, took place at the beginning of the gospel. In the synoptics, we read about the cleansing of the temple happening at the end of the ministry. But, but I think John is trying to help us understand how important the temple was. And Jesus got there, and what had happened was these folks were taking advantage of God's people. And they had done so in the court where everyone was welcome to come to the temple. And so Jesus overturned money changers. And you know what? The authorities, the leaders of that day, they weren't happy with Jesus. And they said, 
What sign, the Jews said, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do this? And Jesus answered him, destroy this temple and I'll raise it in three days. What? <laughs> For anyone in the first century who knew this story in Second Chronicles and knew of the temple that was built by Solomon, they knew how important the temple was to understanding the presence of God. They understood this. And it took them years to rebuild this temple after it was destroyed. How are you going to raise it in three days? And you and I, we know. You and I, we know what raised in three days, amen? We know that it was Jesus Christ who was raised in three days. And that's why in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Paul says, Don't you know? That you yourselves are God's temple. And that God's spirit dwells in your midst. In our midst is God's spirit, his presence. And so if today we were dedicating ourselves to God as God's temple, God might look to you and say, when I shut up the heavens... God might look to you and say, when I bring the locusts, when I bring the plagues, if my people, that's you and me now, because this is the temple we've dedicated to God. The church is the temple that we have dedicated to God. And he says, if you, my chosen people, will just turn back to God. God is looking at Cornerstone Christian Church and calling us, his chosen people, to repentance. Bonhoeffer once said, lack of repentance is the root cause of powerlessness in the church. In this materialistic, self-indulgent age, there can be no spiritual power in a non-repentant church. There can be no spiritual power in a non-repentant church church all right let's ask the second question now how does God get their attention I think the key word here is when do you notice that did you notice that God said to Solomon when I shut up the heavens God said to Solomon, when I command the locusts. He said to Solomon, when I send a plague. He knows that we are sinful people, that we're going to turn our backs on God. He knows what's going to happen down the line. We're bound to sin. And what he is promising is discipline. Discipline was the way that God got their attention. And let's be honest. When we fall into sin, we are distracted and need someone to get our attention. We're like that dog on a walk who's taken off after a squirrel. It doesn't matter how much you hoop or holler. That dog's going to keep running after the squirrel. I don't know if you all know this, but Bob and Sue are tired of hearing Jeremy yell after his dog, Get on back here, dog! 
if I just had a way to get Stevie's attention, Stevie's my dog, if I could just get, have a way that could command that dog's attention, get it to come back. I'm reminded of the words in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with each and every one of you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The Lord is patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish. And so when he shuts up the heavens... When he commands the locusts, when he sends the plagues, he's doing so to get our attention. I'm reminded of the words in Hebrews chapter 12. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord's disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. And so as individuals inside of this body of believers, the church, I think maybe we need to start looking around at what's happening. And ask the question, is the Lord bringing discipline in my lives? Maybe metaphorically, the Lord has shut up the heavens or sent the locusts or sent the plagues. And your life, or the life of the church, and he's speaking boldly in your life and trying to get your attention. He's like that guy yelling after his dog, stop, stop, come back. And that's what repentance is. What is repentance? That's our final question to look at this morning. When God shuts up the heaven, when he sends the locusts, when he sent plagues to get the church's attention, how then should we respond? The passage tells us that we should seek God's face, that we should turn from our wicked ways. We should repent. Every once in a while, I like to wash my car, but not running through the car wash. You know, you get out that bucket and the sponge, and you just go to town on your car, right? I let my boys help me once in a while, and there's one really, really important rule. Don't drop the sponge. And if you drop the sponge, this is important, what do you got to do? You got to rinse that thing off. What happens if you drop that sponge in the gravel and you pick it up and you put it in the, the soapy water? And then you, you scratch. Yeah, I saw some wincing, right? It scratches your car, right? Don't drop the sponge. Now, for the sake of metaphor, follow me here. What if my child drops a sponge and I catch him? Stop. Don't do anything with it. Let's rinse it off. Let's clean it off. What happens if my child drops the sponge and I'm not around? That ain't his car. He didn't pay money for that car. 
And he sure ain't going to pay money to fix the car after it's scratched up, right? In fact, my son has never had to get a new paint job because the car was scratched up. My kid, in essence, doesn't love my car. <laughs> I'm going to follow the rule every time because I love my car. My kids don't share this sentiment. My suggestion is that repentance is more than just changing behavior. Because anyone can say, oh, stop. But unless it means something to you, what happens when no one's looking? If only my kids could love my car like I do. <laughs> Adultery isn't something you just stop doing. It's when you love your spouse deeper. It's when you love that other person in appropriate ways. You know, racism isn't something you just stop doing, right? Oh, stop. It's a change of heart and mind. You don't stop losing your temper. You start loving differently. Repentance is not just a change of action, but it's a change of your heart and it's a change in your mind. It is a holistic action where you really just look at life differently. And we know that this is the problem because it is the number one thing that Jesus addresses while he's here on earth. They did all the right things, but they didn't know how to love. They said, Lord Jesus, a rabbi, I've been following every single rule to the letter of the law and the letter of the oral law since I was a little boy. And then Jesus says, there, there's still something you lack. Why don't you get rid of your possessions and come follow me? And that's, that's a different kind of love. Well, I've never murdered anyone, Jesus. And Jesus says, yeah, but if you've ever hated, call someone Raka. It's murder. It's a deeper kind of love. God wants us to repent holistically. The tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, on the other hand, they muttered to themselves, this man eats and drinks with sinners. So Jesus decided to tell him this parable. Suppose one of you has 100 sheep and you lose one. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost 
sheep until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully, joyfully puts it on his shoulders. He comes home. He calls his neighbors. He calls his friends. He says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. And I tell you, in the same way, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And I ask you this morning, do you need to repent? And I ask you this morning, are you a lost sheep? And you need to hear this. You need to hear that Jesus has been calling for you. You need to open your eyes and see that he has sent discipline to get your attention. He's calling for you. He wants your attention. He wants you to turn back to him. And the good news is that each one of us, no matter where we are in our walk of life, we're going to gather around this table this morning and we are going to celebrate just like that man who found a sheep. Because as we eat bread and as we drink juice, we are reminded that Jesus died so that when we come back, there is forgiveness. It is your chance to turn your back back to God. <laughs> to turn your face back to God. This is your chance this morning to celebrate as people are turning Back to God. So celebrate with me. We're going to go to these three stations. We're going to grab our cup and hold while we sing about a wonderful cross as we celebrate the wonderful cross that brings us forgiveness, brings forgiveness to those who have repented, have turned back to God. Stand with me as we pray oh Lord Jesus thank you can we say thank you that you paid the ultimate sacrifice so that when I turn my life back to you there is forgiveness there is healing there is grace and we give you the praise and glory and honor because you deserve it and as we celebrate this morning, hear our song of praise. Join with us in this celebration. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.